Richmond Valley Radio, 88.9 FM. Welcome back to the State of the Environment program. And we're very fortunate to have on the line uh, Darlan Pugh. And Darlan is the spokesperson for uh, the Northeast Forest Alliance. Uh, good morning, Darlan. Uh, good morning, Meg, and good morning, Robin. Good morning. How are you? Uh, pretty good. That's good. So you were having your check having having another check out of uh, the Gibbridge State Forest, I understand. Um, uh, you able to tell us about that? Uh, yes, <coughs> certainly. Um, there, you know, we had an action there on the 13th of February, and that was really to highlight probably the issue that Forestry Corporation were then logging illegally. You know, they weren't doing searches for koala cats ahead of logging to identify koala high-use areas, and they weren't marking the required numbers of um, what they call habitat trees, these are hollow-bearing recruitment trees, uh, legally required to be retained. Uh, in, in this case, there's eight threatened uh, animals depend upon hollows in the forest. So um, we had a, our action to highlight that issue uh, and to try to get forestry corporations to comply with their legal requirements. Uh, so we had an agreement on the 13th of February that within a week, um, uh, this was in order to um, e end the uh, action, the agreement was that within a week uh, Forestry Corporation would agree to doing a joint site inspection with us so we could uh, show them the breaches we had found at that time, or which there were numerous, and, uh, and hopefully also with the Environmental Protection Authority. So, so that was the agreement for um, someone unlocking from the machinery, for us packing up and leaving. Um, and we also then got to show them one of the koala high-use trees we found at that time. So a koala high-use tree is a tree with more than 20 koala scats at its base. Uh, it requires a, a, a detailed survey around that tree then to see if they identify what they call the koala high-use area, which has to be excluded from logging. So we showed them the, the high-use tree we'd found um, and they undertook to do a, a, a more intensive search around it. Um, but uh, we tried negotiating with them over the next week to be able to return to show both them and the Environmental Protection Authority the breaches we had found and to be able to discuss them on site. We really wanted to um, try to convince them of what they're meant to be doing, legally meant to be doing, uh, and, and what they're doing is nowhere near that. So uh, they decided to renege on that agreement, the forestry, so even though it was at the highest levels of forestry, they agreed, they just uh, decided arbitrarily to say no you're not allowed back into the forest so um, so we went back into the forest on Sunday and we had a look to see how they were uh, now complying with their legal requirements and um, uh, you know it was, it was good to see that they'd fixed up some of their tree marking and they were now retaining more of the hollow bearing trees they were required to um, they're still not retaining the trees they're meant to as the recruitment trees but what was really most alarming is that there's no searching whatsoever going on for koala scats. So mm. when you search for koala scats, you've got to look amongst the leaf litter at the base of the tree to see if there's koala scats there. You know, they, they, when, they, when they drop out of the, out of the tree, they um, fall amongst the leaves. And unless you look amongst the leaves, you don't find them. And mm. uh, not one tree we looked at uh, had any evidence of searching. So you can tell when someone searched because they've got to move the leaves. That's right. And, um, and this was an area they logged since the 13th of February. So oh, really? Logging. Oh. Logging was currently occurring there. Good and God. there's been not, absolutely not one single tree has been looked under for koalas. So, um, so we had a, had a look at, as time allowed and uh, we found 
three uh, trees uh, that qualify as koala high-use trees, which mm. are meant to be triggers then, so there's uh, a detailed assessment to identify koala high-use areas. So one of those trees had like 111 koala cats oh, under it. Oh, you're joking. Wow. Another one had 42, another one had 21. Good And, and these are all in areas they've just logged. Yes. So they hadn't looked. They hadn't done their required, um, uh, you know, detailed search to find these koala high-use no. areas. And, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the koala high-use areas they're required to, to protect it are minimal. You know, they're, they're nowhere near, near what is required for even a koala home range. But nonetheless, there's some protection for koalas. You know, at least, at least it's excluding some of their habitat from, from the logging. And, Unless you look, you don't find. If you don't find, you don't protect. And no. This has been the story for the last 20 years, and we've been battling to try to get them to do it, uh, to do these surveys, and uh, and they're still not doing them. It's uh, it's very uh, disappointing, uh, but not unexpected, because that's just their, their modus operandi, you know. And the EPA went out there last week, so they've been out there at least two oh, days. Oh, they did, and, did they? Right. Yeah, at yeah. least two days, and maybe longer. Mm. Um, and yet, this is still happening under their watch. Yeah. And, and, and that, that sort of grave concern, uh, but again, unfortunately, not unexpected, because this is what we find time and time again. We yes. alert EPA teachers, and at best, they go and look at what we report. They yes. don't go and then try to rectify forestry's illegal activities. It's clear that the Forest Corp have contempt for the EPA. If they, uh, even knowing that the EPA are onto them, uh, they're still continuing with their illegal practices. Uh, yes, and I think it's with the, in effect, tacit approval of EPA that they can do this uh, illegal logging. It's, uh, it certainly it's, sounds know, like it, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it, it's been an issue since 2012 when we caught the Forestry Corporation logging a koala high-use area, actively logging koala high-use area in um, Royal Camp State Forest, which is, which is near Casino, yeah. and about to log four others. So they'd already done their, their so-called koala assessments. Uh, <coughs> and um, <we've coughs> we found uh, extensive, uh, obvious proof that there were large koala numbers there. And in that case, it was a lot of fresh koala scats scattered across the top of the leaf litter and forestry went in there and said they couldn't find any um, so uh, the EPA then decided to make that a what they call a compliance priority that is um, compliance and it's one of only a few compliance priority with the threatened species license for koalas and briefly they attempted to um, get forestry to do uh, the, the required koala searches but that only lasted a few months and we yeah. found within yeah. A couple of years or so doing and saying, oh, you know, the EPA was saying we, we, we could find no evidence of searching, but we only searched, um, you know, half a dozen or maybe at most nine or sometimes ten trees and found no evidence of searching under those trees. Uh, and then they, then they say, oh, but that's not a big enough sample to determine conclusively they're not doing searches. So the EPA, the EPA oh, limited themselves by a few trees. Yes. Uh, and then we found by about the middle of 2015, they'd even given up on that. And so, um, basically, they they have reached an agreement with the forestry not to enforce yeah. that requirement of the threatened species license, yeah. i.e. that requirement to protect koalas. So, it's a, um, of significant concern, and the fact that it's just been, you know, as I said, the last 20 years they've been doing this. I think they've, uh, over the last 
15 years, I think they identified 200 hectares of koala high-use areas, despite logging in some of the best koala habitat on, on state forests. And, um, and that, that's not green much. Um, but the interesting thing was that the uh, forestry themselves, or the uh, DPI forestry unit, uh, uh, did um, monitoring of koala calls. They put up a, a recorder in the forest for a week or so and listened to koala calls, and they found that these small number of koala high-use areas had three times the calling rate of the general areas around them. So there is uh, no doubt that protecting these, even though they're small, um, they're only a few hectares in size usually at most, particularly small areas, um, is of significant benefit to koalas. Mm. Evidence that that's the case, and yet um, it's just this blanket refusal to, to, to generally to do it. I mean, I think some foresters put the effort in and they do find these koala highest areas, but up around this way, it's a rare event. It's tragic, isn't it? It's tragic. It's and criminal. Yes, yes, it is. Well, it, it is. Criminal. Well, literally, it's a criminal yes. Act. They're yeah. breaking the law it is an and they're getting away with it. Yes. Because, it, it, I mean, I know how hard you've, you and, and NIFA have worked on these issues, and, uh, and yet to get any action against these uh, illegal activities is um, it's just impossible, isn't it? It's uh, in, in near to. You know, yeah, like, as I yeah. said, we, we did notice that they had remarked some of the trees they mm. had erroneously uh, marked, but they're still not fully complying even with the hollow-bearing recruitment tree requirement. Yeah. But there is you know, a, a rare event. There is a slight improvement going on there, yes. only because of the pressure that we applied. Well, only, that's right. Only because we went and occupied the forest, because none of that would happen without that. No, that's so, right. Mm. So, so we had to go to those extremes to try to get some action because, you know, two years ago we did a lot of complaints on um, on Gibbergia State Forest as well and found a number of breaches and then uh, um, seven months later we went back and did some more audits and found exactly the same breaches were continuing. So yeah. it is a bit heartening. There has been a slight improvement in one aspect here, but koalas are still totally being ignored. Yeah, and thank you know, thanks so much to you and to and to Nefa. It's just, thank goodness we have got you there because it clearly is the uh, is the only reprieve that uh, these wonderful creatures have. And I, I mean, I just just I mourn for every single hollow bearing tree that's that's cut down. I mean, it's it's hard enough for our wonderful wildlife to find homes. Uh, the competition for those homes is uh, is pretty pretty great, and and yet they're just cut down for uh, you know for a log. It's um, tragic. Yeah, it, 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 it is a tragedy, and it's an unfolding mm. tragedy across mm. the whole of Australia. Really. Yeah. yeah our, our large hollow-bearing trees are disappearing across the landscape and across the cleared lands as well as in forests. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the moment there's a requirement to retain, to retain uh, a minimum of five hollow-bearing trees per hectare. Um, you know, and the animals would normally use somewhere between 13 and 20 hollow-bearing trees per hectare. So you're already yeah. um, dramatically affecting your, your wildlife just by having that low number. And, um, you know, some of those are probably not utilisable. Like they're they're mm -hmm. not suitable hollows for the, for the species that need it. And then, as you say, as you get less hollows, then there's more competition for what's mm -hmm. available. And, 
uh, invariably some, some animals and some species uh, miss out. So, um, and then the other part of that issue is these recruitment trees, which are the, because hollow-bearing trees have a limited life, they're going to die um, yeah. sooner or later, and mm. you know, we find a lot of them damaged in logging, so they're going to die sooner rather than later. Um, and then you've got to retain these recruitment trees to replace them when they die. And um, our grave concern is the, the Forestry Corporation just has a blanket refusal to retain these uh, uh, appropriate recruitment trees, i.e. they're meant to be good, mature, healthy, growing trees that are going to survive long enough to turn into hollow-bearing trees in the future. Mm. And they just refuse to because they're desperate for saw logs and they're the best saw logs left in the forest. And to make matters worse, the... Uh, uh, New South Wales government changed the logging rules so that no, um, in the future they'll no longer need to retain these recruitment trees and it's just uh, a recipe for wiping hollow bearing trees out of our um, state forest. Yes, recipe for extinctions. Yeah. The uh, hip uh, pocket uh, wins every time. Mm. Um, look, un unfortunately we, we, we you know, with <coughs> a basic tenant of forestry is that you're dealing with really old uh, organisms, you know, they live for hundreds of years, you know, like um, 500 years, I think, uh, is the life expectancy of, of a healthy, hollow-bearing tree. <clears throat> some, of, some of these big old trees may, I'm sure they do, live for over a thousand years. So you've got these long-lived organisms in the landscape. They don't start developing hollows until, uh, until they're over about 120 years old, they start developing small hollows. And then when they get older, they start developing the big hollows of things like owls and possums and so on, depending mm. upon they can't, just, mm. they can't use the small hollows. And um, yes, we just, uh, uh, we, we don't recognise the significance of these long-lived organisms and how important they are for our biodiversity because because they are such a feature of Australian eucalypts and Australian forests, so many of our animals depend upon them for their survival. Yeah. So what we really need is a government in place that's uh, going to appreciate those um, those needs of the uh, of the forests of the uh, of the um, threatened species. Well, not just threatened species, all species, the millions mm. of species that are li living in our forests, uh, and respect those um, those creatures and the magnificent trees. Uh, that's, uh, I think that's the way we just have to go. It's, um, they're clearly being just dismissed as uh, something that uh, can be um, exploited for, uh, you know, a few dollars profit and uh, certainly nothing sustainable there in, that, um, in the current practices. Um, no, and they're getting left there all the time, and that's mm. the real worry. I mean, we have to, we've been battling for decades to try to get uh, uh, recognition of the importance of hollow band trees, the trip trees, the searching for koalas to protect koala high-use areas, and um, they're just winding back the protections uh, all the time, and uh, more, most recently they've really gutted them, so um, there'll be very few protections in the future mm. now. Um, publicly owned state forest for our threatened species. Mm. Yep, well, I encourage our listeners to uh, think very carefully about uh, who you're voting for in the next uh, state election on the 23rd of uh, February if you, um, if you want to see uh, our grandchildren um, able to walk into the forest and see these magnificent creatures. Uh, yes, and the, and the, the worldwide um, uh, figures now are showing massive declines in species across the landscape. Mm. It's because of habitat alteration, which is what, what logging is. Uh, 
but also because of climate change impacts on top of it and um, we're seeing numerous species collapsing and you know, quails is one example of that where their population declined by 50% on the oh. north coast in the last 20 years Dreadful. but out, out west in, um, in some of that uh, drier, more drought prone prone country with quail populations are just in free fall they're, oh. they're, they're meant to rely upon just water in the Euclid leaves for their survival but oh. in those drought ravaged areas now they need access to standing free water and mm. that's becoming more limited as well yeah. and uh, so their populations are in big trouble in southern New South Wales you know they've already been decimated by uh, uh, all that intensive logging down there and, and now we're bringing that what are called alternative coop logging up to the north coast now in the best koala habitat so yes. we're targeting what has been identified by the forestry as the best koala habitat we're targeting that for the most intensive logging so when you add the, the increased stress due to uh, to droughts on top of that uh, you know the prognosis for koalas is by 2050 we might have any less but it's not just koalas that's happening uh, uh, mm. to so many species now we're getting evidence of these uh, significant declines in population mm. and uh, eliminations of some species yeah and whole sort of ecosystem collapse uh, yes, I think the Belmont Association died back is a classic example of ecosystem collapse. We've Certainly. pushed it beyond its threshold for uh, survival and now we've got these vast and increasing areas of uh, dead and dying forest spreading across the landscape. Yeah. Thanks so much, Dylan. Um Thank you. So uh, I was just going yeah. to say, let, let, next time, can we have a little bit of positive <laughs> news? Well, there is you good know, news. Well, yeah. It could be positive. You know, like yes. if, if our governments cared enough to do the right thing, even if they just abide by the logging rules, that would help. But we yeah. should be improving them. We should be improving protection of We know they're in decline. We know that the, that the how we're managing now is not working. We've got to improve our how we do it and we can you know it is open to us to do it i mean currently 86 percent of our of our timber comes from plantations and yet they represent 1.5 percent of the forest area in australia and so from a small area we can obtain all our timber needs now it's within our grasp mm. to do so you know it's like it's in our grasp to move to renewable energy and um and, and start addressing the climate change impact. All that is possible yeah. if we've got the political will, and that's what we need to do. We need to create that political will. That's exactly and we right. must do it very soon. Yes, indeed. Uh, 23rd of March. I think, March. Now, I think, I think March 23rd is the, is the yeah, date that we've got to create the political will on. If we don't do it then, uh, things are getting very... Uh, well, very dire. Absolutely. Thanks, darling, and thank you so much to NIFA and uh, all the supporters who do this wonderful work and try to keep the um, Forest Corp honest. Thank but you so you much. Daily try to. Yeah, that's right. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye.